0: Hey it's Darren from Bonfire. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This episode was recorded live on YouTube and Facebook. Head on over and you'll get the full Bonfire experience. Consider giving us a like and a subscribe and when you do that you help fuel more free content here on Bonfire Sports. Find everything you need links and more bonfiresports.ca. Now enjoy the show. Here we are. Bonfire Midweek. Let's go. Darren Bombing. That's not Zach Schnitzer. That's our good friend Ted Wyman. What's going on, Teddy? How are you?
1: I'm doing great, man. Uh, I think this is my first time on the show, so I'm uh, pretty excited about it and uh, looking forward to talking all things CFL.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we got a lot to get to on the show. Thanks to everybody who's watching live on YouTube and Facebook. If you're on Twitter, head over to youtube.com bonfire sports, then you can join the live chat and be involved in the show throughout. Uh, Ted and I, well, Ted, we are going to get into a lot here because it was an interesting week in the world of not just the winnipeg blue bombers but the canadian football league we saw the emergence once again of nathan rourke we saw some surprising results uh, in a couple games including the blue bombers upcoming opponent the toronto argonauts getting absolutely chewed up by the lions uh, this past week um but maybe let's start uh right um where things uh are maybe most fresh in people's minds And it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and their defense in particular. It's unbelievable to think all the way back to game one, quarter one of the season was the last time they allowed a touchdown against an opponent. The bend, don't break, the yards, but no points. It really is impressive.
1: Well, are you trying to, you know, uh, upset Mr. O'Shea right now? Because he really doesn't like that term, bend, bend, don't break. He's like... There's not a single defense in the world that wants to bend and not break. They want to never break. But the truth is, you've seen the same thing for a couple of years now, DB. It started around October of 2019, just before Zach Caleros was acquired and brought to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We all equate it to when Brandon Alexander moved to safety in 2019 and all of a sudden brought that defense together. And at that point, they were that defense that just would not allow people to get into the end zone. And we saw it all of last season. It was really quite remarkable what they did last year. And maybe even, you know, it was talked about a lot, but maybe not talked about enough because that defense just will not, you know, if if a team gets into Winnipeg territory, it changes. It's almost like, yeah, you can have some yards, but if you want to get into that end zone you are gonna have to do something really special and the bombers don't let it happen they haven't let it happen so far this year there are concerns about the amount of yards in the first couple of games especially when jeremiah massoli was throwing like crazy the secondary didn't look great but again what did it cost them you know and in in the last two games it's eight field goals that is pretty damn good defense
0: I think I muted myself there so I could clear my throat, Teddy, but, uh, imagine the amount of pressure it's that's off the shoulders of the blue bombers offense, especially early in the season here where Kalaris is getting used to a different mix of receivers. The offensive line has had changes and now injury to Michael Couture. So more changes there Two new running backs. I mean, new in the sense that they're the the starters now, or Brady Oliver is the starter and Johnny's the number two, no more Andrew Harris. Uh, they haven't maybe been as explosive as they were at times in 2021. Where's your level of, of concern or where do you feel it? the concern maybe should be uh, on the offense right now? It's good that the defense is playing well. It's offsetting the offense to you know score 19 or 25 points and, and win a game handily.
1: I don't really see it being that different from what I expected coming out of training camp. You've lost Andrew Harris. You've lost Drew Desjardins. You've lost Kenny Lawler. You've lost Darvin Adams. Those are all 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 star players or at least all star caliber players. And it's not that easy to replace players like that. And the Bombers obviously have not gelled super quickly on offense, particularly that offensive line's a little different without Desjardins and and now Couture as well. Brady Oliveira is a different kind of running back from Andrew Harris. He doesn't have that same dynamism he's very good it's, it's it's pretty clear we haven't seen much of it yet it hasn't worked all that great there's no doubt about it but i also noticed that the receiving core wasn't particularly on point uh a, a lot of the time until last game i thought it got a lot better and the, the key to bringing mm-hmm. that uh, receiving game around to me was spreading the ball around a lot more the first couple of games everything went to ellingson or to dalton shown And maybe late in the game, you saw a little bit of Drew Wolitarski. But there wasn't a ton going to Rashid Bailey. There wasn't a ton going to Nick Dembski. Those guys are two guys who I expected to lead the team in receiving this year, uh, or at least be close, because they were the incumbents. They were the most familiar with the offense. They've worked with Zach Caleros for a long time. And I thought those guys were going to be doing something really special. Well, we didn't see it much in the first couple of games. A lot better in the last game. I thought they were both really good. Dembski especially was stellar and it did look at least to me like his injury wasn't too severe um he did miss the rest of the game but he was walking around after and he was on the sideline and he was laughing and joking you will see when practice gets going uh you know in the next uh, little while but um I, you know i don't doesn't look like that's going to be anything long term and, and i think that's important because nick demsky is such an important player for the winnipeg blue bombers it's just it's gelling and it's taking time and Mike O'Shea always says, well, we just want to get better every week. Well, that what have they done in the first three weeks? They've gotten better every week.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's really spot on. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned some of those receivers because, yeah, like through the first two weeks, as you mentioned, you know, Ellingson and Schoen, maybe not a ton of Nick Dembski, but when the ball has been in Nick Dembski's hands or even just in his vicinity, he's made some great catches that maybe get overlooked uh, until you see it, you know, a, a second time or a third time. That changing shoulder. And, and you know, Kolaris talking about it post-game, you know, to, to put it on his outside shoulder, that set up the Blue Bombers' touchdown, Olivera's touchdown right before the half. That was a phenomenal play that maybe there wasn't the best angle of uh, on the instant replay, but boy, uh, that was a huge 40-yard catch that set up Winnipeg's first major of the game. Ted, I'm just going to pull up uh, the offensive numbers here uh, so people can uh, take a look. And Brady Oliveira, 15 carries for 56 yards, averaging 3.7 yards per carry. Markedly better than the first two games where he was, you know, 10, 12 touches, uh, but averaging much less than three and a half yards per carry. You could see the Blue Bombers sticking with the run in that game against Hamilton, and it ended up setting things up as the game progressed, in came the play action, in came some of those, um, you know, more delayed throws or delayed routes. Um, the blue bombers are going to run the football, whether they get two yards or eight yards per carry. Uh, what's your take on that? Is it maybe an issue with the offensive line? Is it defenses maybe keying in on them because they know it's probably easier to stop a run game, a concerted effort run game when it's not Andrew Harris carrying the football? Where do you kind of lie on that?
1: Well, I just think it's a combination of things, DB. I mean, if you're you're taking Andrew Harris out of the mix and you're taking out uh, you're changing up the offensive line. It's going to take a little time for an offensive line to gel when it's got new players on it. That has been a luxury in Winnipeg for quite some time that they've had at least 4 of the 5 and and really this year they did as well and Jeff Gray being a backup for the last couple of years, it shouldn't have been all that major of a transition, but we don't know yet just how good Jeff Gray is. It's going to take some time to figure that out. I think he's taken a few penalties that weren't too great, especially in the last game. And we're not seeing the same uh, dynamic play from the running game. But I do think that it looks like it might not be too far off to me. You know, I mean, Oliveira's not getting a ton of yards. That's true. Mm -hmm. But it does look like there's a chance to break something there. And the beauty of it is that you've got Johnny Augustine who can come in And he's just a different kind of back. He's just a speed back. is a power back. And you get that that great, if you get that great push, you can really see Johnny Augustine hit the holes. It's got to be a little bit better, but you can see that what they're doing is they're mixing it up as much as they can. You get it to Oliveira, the most touches. You get it to Augustine a little bit. You might get it to Dembski. And you're going to get it to Rashid Bailey, who had two or three carries in the last game as well on that fly sweep. And that has been a productive play for the Bombers. And I thought, you know, probably the best run of the year for the Bombers was Nick Dembski in the fourth quarter in Ottawa when he was clearly stopped behind the line of scrimmage and he somehow scooted through and ended up getting nine yards and then they get the first down on short yardage. And that, you know, that just shows that there's a lot of guys that can really carry the water when it comes out of the backfield. But it doesn't... um, you know, it, I thought that game in Ottawa, this, uh, that, that they had a 115 yards rushing or something like that. And then I was hearing about how the rushing game was so bad. Well, I was going, well, 115 yards isn't that bad. It's just that no one player did much to make that 115 yards happen. But I don't think that was that discouraging a game in terms of the, uh, in terms of the running game. And I thought it was okay this week as well. I did read a story today that said rushing is down across the league. Right. Perhaps that has things to do with passing being up because of the uh, the changes that were made in the CFL this year with the hash marks the way they are. Quarterbacks want to attack as much as they can. And we certainly have seen it because Jeremiah Masoli threw a bundle of passes against the Bombers. And Dane Evans threw some 40 passes against the Bombers last week too. So,
0: Well, they just it, don't run. They just don't run the football they, traditionally, right? So,
1: Yeah, you look at the Bombers and you say, well, they're not running, but who is? That being said, their rushing numbers are low and near the bottom of the league, and that's weird to see. So I expect them to continue with it, like you said, and I expect them to get better in that area. But again, you do not have Andrew Harris anymore. You just don't. You have to find a way to make it work almost as well as when he was here, because that was a big part of why the Bombers' offense was so good.
0: I'm just thinking out loud right now. I wonder if the hash marks have anything to do with the running game being down this year, just with everything being closer to the field, less threat of, you know, far side passes, that sort of thing. I'm not exactly sure. I I need more than a three week sample size in the CFL to maybe gauge that you're right, Ted, the blue bombers don't have Andrew Harris anymore, but the defense has Andrew Harris this week in Toronto. Uh, It's a unique Quirk in the CFL schedule. I'm thinking probably due to the Canada Day long weekend, and not to be the afterthought of the afterthought in the big smoke and the Toronto Argonauts having a home game. But uh, Monday they will play July 4th uh, in Toronto, and Andrew Harris like came out of the gate like a bat out of heck in week one. Um, you know, looked to to kind of maybe snag himself a little bit some soft tissue issues in his legs. He did not look nearly as explosive to me, uh, just less pop in his, in his running, uh, in, in BC this past week, that all said you can have, you know, Walter Payton back there. If you have the Toronto Argonauts offensive line, the way they opened up running holes or lack thereof, and the way they failed to protect McLeod Bethel Thompson, I don't know what Toronto is going to do to fix that issue, but you know, I wouldn't want to be the quarterback back there. I wouldn't want to be the running back running behind them. They look awful. Well,
1: did anybody look good in Toronto? Like, you can't just sing about Paris. I mean, they look terrible. You look back at the highlights, and I'm going, well, yeah, Nathan Rourke was great, and I I hope we're going to talk about him, and I think he deserves all the hype that he's getting. But everybody was wide open. I mean, so I don't know what Toronto's scheme was. I don't understand what they were doing out there. I, I expect Toronto to be better this week against Winnipeg, and I'll tell you why. They always seem to play pretty well against Winnipeg, and you know Andrew Harris is going to be extremely motivated to do something special against his former team. I expect to be a good push for the Bombers from uh, you know from Toronto on that Monday. And the one thing about that game that I wonder is maybe an ESPN game on the July Fourth holiday in the U.S. Maybe right. that's why it's on that night. It's a it's a weird one. There's no doubt about it, but. Um, you know, it's not like the Argos sell out on a Saturday or a Friday or, or a Sunday <laughs> right. either. it's a, it's probably going to be just a normal size crowd for them.
0: Um, yeah, that's sharp it, insight by you though. I didn't think of the, the July 4th holiday in the States. Yeah,
1: right? it could be that. And, and I hope that I do hope that, uh, it's a good reunion with Andrew Harris because I, he is truly one of the great players ever to play for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He had six years here. He was nothing but outstanding. He had three rushing titles. You know, it's really impressive what he's done. And Nathan Rourke the, is the next great Canadian quarterback, or maybe the first great Canadian quarterback. I don't know, you know, one of the first right. ones. But, uh, you know, since since, uh, since Russ Jackson, it's been a long time, right, since there was a great one. Yeah. And and looking so good. Andrew Harris is one of the all-time greatest uh, Canadian running backs, actually one of the all-time greatest running backs of all time in the CFL period. And it'll be really interesting to see him against his old team. He wasn't very happy about Winnipeg not yeah. restarting him. And uh, you know, you've seen that guy when he's been a little bit vengeful before, right? Like uh, 2019 Great Cup, maybe? Yeah. what he's going to no do? He's gonna go out there and he's going to do something special.
0: What I've been amazed by, Ted, just, you know, watching Twitter and my Twitter mentions and and the Bonfire Hotline, be sure to hit it up, uh, leave a voicemail or a text, uh, 816-TIPS, 816-8477. Give us your hot take here on Bonfire Sports. One thing I've noticed, Ted, is that there are so many fans out there that still have, you know, they're hanging on to a shred of hope that Andrew Harris and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will reunite. And it surprised me to hear that this week because of the way it all went down uh, with how successful the Blue Bombers appear to be so far early in the season. You know, maybe it has to do with the run game not being as explosive as it has been at times. Um, But, you know, I just don't see a remarriage of these two, um, at least not in the near future. But it, it's amazing how one bad game by the Toronto Argonauts and uh, you know some some injury snags and that sort of thing for Andrew Harris for for people to say like oh hey you know maybe he'd be willing to come back. I, I just can't see the Blue Bombers being able to afford one hundred and eighty thousand dollars on their
1: cap. It's premature. Uh,
0: you know. It's
1: two games into the season for the Argos. Right. The, the East Division yeah. is as wide open as it's ever been. I mean, no, right. the Euros are still in first place. <laughs> they gotta win baby yeah <laughs> it's, it's, you know I think Ottawa might be the best team the one that, that I've seen they played really well against the Bombers but they're Owen too so I mean come on like you can't even start thinking that way at all it, it I don't I don't think that's realistic I think the Argos should be getting better it really is a bad start there's no doubt about it but we also all agree that BC is looking pretty fantastic so you yeah. know it was forty-four to three, so you know, you know, one team was great and one team was terrible for that to happen. But I, I, I can't say that I think that's going to happen repeatedly. I, I do expect a pretty strong game from the Argos this week, and and we'll see a little bit more uh, of what they have to offer because, man, the way things are in Toronto with the lack of interest on the fans and whatnot, uh, you know, from the fans, they can't be a terrible team. This year, or else there's just going to be nobody there.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, like, look at this number. I don't know if you can see it if you're watching on a phone or a smaller iPad. That's points for the first place Toronto Argonauts entering week four, albeit they have had a buy. They have 23 points scored, and they're in first place. In the East Division, you head over to the West, Calgary scored 93, but allowed 80. Winnipeg's only scored 64 through three games, which doesn't sound like a huge number, you know, averaging 21 and a bit per game, 41 points against in three games. And as we mentioned, just that one touchdown all the way back. Of course, the BC Lions leading the CFL with 103 points scored in just two games. Uh, people were wondering if the week to buy the BC Lions had, Ted, would take Momentum or or some wind out of their sails. It it definitely did not. They laid an absolute beating on uh, the Toronto Argonauts. Um, You want to maybe take a quick trip around the Canadian Football League? Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. So uh, to start things off, we saw Saskatchewan in Montreal. And for those watching out there, thanks for joining us live on YouTube and Facebook. And if you're watching on Twitter, head over to those two channels. You can join the live chat and uh, keep you involved uh, in the conversation here. Ted Wyman the winnipeg sun my first call to pinch hit uh for bonfire midweek and uh, really excited to have you along teddy uh now the 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 rough riders went into montreal there was a lot of questions about the montreal alouettes you know how are they going to ride this kind of up and down beginning to the season for whatever reason the saskatchewan rough riders just made mistake after mistake after mistake, and all the apologists came out on the post game shows in our uh, neighbors to the west ted where it was well it was a short week and it was this and that 37-13 they lose in montreal to an alouettes team that has been hot and cold uh, all season um total net yards in this game 285 for the rough riders 296 for the alouettes and this was a 37-13 football game uh it was just the way I saw it, Ted, mistake after mistake the Rough Riders made, and while now people aren't really putting them in that same conversation with the Stampeders and the Blue Bombers, well, and even the Lions in the West.
1: I've certainly seen some people say that you know the it was a short week for the Riders, and that that had a lot to do with why they weren't particularly strong in that game. But it, you know that that was just not a good performance. It was pretty much over at halftime. It never really got better, um, and and I don't think that. Uh, I still say it's just too early to make these proclamations about teams. You know, especially yeah. when, like, after the Riders won their first two games, there was people saying, oh, they're the best team in the West. It's like, well, you know, but the Bombers won two great cups in a row. So how do you make that decision? That's all I'm saying. Right. It's like proclaiming BC the best team in the CFL right now. Yeah, they have looked really good in their two games. They played Edmonton, who I think most people agree. it They may not be terrible all year, but they were terrible so far. Toronto mm-hmm. may not be terrible all year, but they're terrible so far. And that's why uh, BC, looking very good, has dismantled those two teams. Let's get them in against some of these other teams. And it's the same situation with the Saskatchewan, riders, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Bombers, for that matter. You're probably not going all the way through this thing undefeated. I've said that about the Bombers from the beginning of the year. This is not going to be the same as last year. They were running away with almost every game last year. That is not going to happen this year. And, and with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they found out that you can go into uh, you know, a place like Montreal and the Alouettes are going to play you tough. And they did and they played extremely well. And I think there's a lot of weapons there in Montreal, even with Jake Winnike out of the lineup. Nick, or you know, uh, uh, Eugene Lewis still looks outstanding uh, there. And even without William Stanback, you still got the beauty of having two quarterbacks there, which I think is being employed very well by Kahari Jones. Because... Yep. They're both extremely capable both dynamic and that could work really well for them as the season goes on because probably a 10 and eight team is going to get first place in the east the way it's shaping up and the riders again I I'm just not sure about them you know I think you could argue you could certainly argue that Winnipeg BC and Calgary are slightly above them and and Saskatchewan literally could be a fourth place team looking at the crossover this year they're going to have to show me something to, to be in that top three.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, the Alouettes, I feel like they could still get it together. You know, the Ottawa Red Blacks are a team, you know, you look at, at power rankings, you know, take it with a couple teaspoons of salt often. But, um, you know, they're way down there despite, uh, you know, hanging with the Blue Bombers for two games and then having a bye this past week. Um, Montreal, I I just feel their best football is, is still ahead of them. That might be the case for a lot of teams right now. Um, but, uh, that all said and done, the Alouettes get a win, uh, over the Rough Riders in week one. Of course, the Bombers and Ticats were Friday night football, uh, Elks in Calgary to face the Stampeders. And Ted, this game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Um, ultimately the Stampeders offense, uh, Produced 435 net yards of offense. Edmonton, much less consistent. Uh, James Wilder Jr. Averaged four yards per carry in this game, but just had 45 yards. Uh, Manny Arsenault decided to come out of retirement. I I say that tongue-in-cheek and in jest, of course. But he had a nice uh, uh, touchdown catch in that game. Um, I don't know. It, It seems like the Edmonton Elks are still trying to figure out who they are. And that's not surprising at this point, Ted, because they're a team that has a lot of turnover and and things are very different than they were in years past. Chris Jones continues to be that kind of, uh, you know, uh, maniacal chef in the kitchen trying to find that right mix.
1: He's the chemist, isn't he? There's no doubt about it. But he is. Here's one thing that Edmonton has going for them. And you just said it. Chris Jones, that guy has coached a long time in the CFL and he's done a lot of really impressive things with a lot of different teams. And um, there's a reason why he was given the, the big job there in Edmonton. And he will get that team turned around. I I I do not think the Elks are going to be as terrible as they've looked. Will they get in the playoffs? That seems like a tall order because as I said before, Winnipeg BC and Calgary and Saskatchewan all look pretty darn good. So the Elks are probably going to be the last place team, but they're not going to they're going to be competitive and they were against the Stampeders and I expect to see that much more uh, as this season goes along. And the, if you look at Calgary, I think I think Calgary um, has looked really good. I'm I'm very intrigued by I believe it is the July 15th matchup, uh, Calgary coming to Winnipeg. That could be a heck of a game, and the yeah. first real battle between those top teams. Of course, Winnipeg is in BC on the ninth. That's going to be an interesting one too. Just as quick segue, because then the Bombers are an extremely short week with both games on the road. We saw what happened to Saskatchewan. That could be a real tough one for the Bombers in Vancouver. But you know, Mike O'Shea will uh, do his very best to have them ready to to deal with that issue.
0: Yeah. You know, you brought it up and, and I was going to kind of save it for later, but it's worth mentioning. And I, you know, got it right down here, two games in six days for the blue bombers. They go from the Eastern time zone all the way to the West coast, uh, in, in a short period of time. You know, I said this on the post game, Ted, uh, at Toronto at BC with short turnover, then home to Calgary where the Stampeders always seem to play really well at IG field. Um, I think I see this stretch of games right now, especially with their first bye not coming until mid-August. Uh, one of the last teams in the CFL to to uh, take a bye will be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. they will serve them well late in the year, but this could be, you know, like this could be the the most one of the more difficult stretches for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Banged up on the offensive line, uh, the defense seems to be clicking. But you and I, I think we're going to talk about uh, you know some of the injuries in the Blue Bombers' defensive backfield. Uh, coming up soon. But uh, I'll just quickly cap by saying Kadim Carey is legit. Bo Levi Mitchell threw for 321 yards, had a touchdown and no interceptions. So, you know, is he finally cleaning up his game uh, to a point when, when those two are going? Um, the Calgary Stampeders are, are going to be tough. To stop Malik Henry, six catches for 173 yards. When you're mixed with Kamar Jordan and Reggie Bagleton, now you're that third guy and you have an explosive uh, game like that. Uh, I think people are are looking at the Calgary Stampeders offense with uh, a bit of a different focus.
1: Yeah. And I think people rightly, you know, should be looking at that and saying, Winnipeg would like to aspire Mm -hmm. to have a receiving core that's putting up those kind of numbers. That's something that just hasn't happened with the Bombers yet. And um, and it has happened in Saskatchewan with Duke Williams. It has happened in Calgary with all those good players that you just mentioned. And Malik Henry, that's not who I was expecting to, you know, be a player of the week out of Calgary. But he certainly was. And he, he played extremely well. I think, you know, Dave Dickinson's a good coach in the, in the STEM. And, and, and Bo Levi Mitchell, though many people want to write him off, is not done. And even if, Beau, if Levi Mitchell weren't playing well, Jake Mayer is a very good player as well. Yeah. I like what yeah. Calgary brings to the table. They're always kind of in that mix, and, and you can just expect them to be again. Um, and, and you know, I, I, as you said, Kadeem Carey is absolutely outstanding. There is no question in my mind, when you brought up the, the about the Bombers playing all these games early, they play six of their first nine games on the road. They play six of their last nine at home. If they can get through this stretch here. Right. You know, at least get a split out of Toronto and BC. You know, win in uh, in either Edmonton or Calgary. And then you go to Montreal and, that, and there's a chance you can win there as well. They're going to be in outstanding shape if they can come out of this first half of the season with a better than 500 record. Maybe a couple of games, three games up. They're just going to be in outstanding shape because when do they lose at home? The one yeah. team you would worry about is Calgary because if there right. was any team that even came close last year, it was Calgary. In fact, Calgary had the game on their, on, re, on the leg of Rene Paderes, who never misses, and he did. Right. He came yeah. up short, and the Bombers ended up winning that game. But uh, you know, you don't remember that when you're thinking 20 out of 21 wins at home and, and yeah. 11 in a row or 12 in a row, whatever it is now. But it, you know, Calgary was close. And and I don't think the Bombers uh, would ever be playing a team like that and uh, and thinking that it's going to be an easy two points.
0: Now, with Huffnagel and Dickinson, uh, I'll never sleep on the Calgary Stampeders in any single game that they play. Uh, you mentioned that stretch, you know, through to that bye, Ted. When September comes around, the Bombers play the Rough Riders three times in the month of September. They got a game in Hamilton and a bye week uh, in there as well, kind of uh bookended by labor day classic banjo bowl and then uh capped on uh september uh 30th uh at home so two home games against the saskatchewan Roughriders this year which i think uh is a great thing for the fans here in winnipeg and and even the rough Rider fans that might be infiltrated in blue and gold country here ted but um it's going to be an interesting stretch uh And and season for the Blue Bombers for uh, a lot of reasons. Uh, To wrap up week three in the CFL, Toronto going into the lion's den and getting absolutely devoured by the Leos. Um, It was really all about Nathan Rourke in this game. He broke a record for the most passing yards in a single game by a Canadian quarterback, set a new mark of 436 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions he ran three times for 15 yards as well uh, he was just absolutely on fire all night long 87% passing to complement his week 1 performance where he was even better only missing three three passes uh in that game uh You know, they lose their their running back, uh, uh, Butler, for a stretch of time there. They just started feeding the pill uh, to their fullback. Uh, Toronto didn't have any answer on defense or offense. Uh, Just away they went. Dominique Grimes was the leading receiver with eight catches on eight targets for 143 yards. But it was Javon Katoy and Keon Hatcher and uh, Lucky Whitehead with uh, his old number, uh, 87 here in Winnipeg. Well, he had 87 yards uh, in that game on uh, nine catches, the most targeted BC Lions receiver. Not only are there a lot of weapons in BC, Ted, not only is Nathan Rourke making things happen as a first-year starter and second-year player, 24 years old, like um, uh, that's all amazing. But the offensive line, like I understand they faced the Elks and they faced the Argos. I, I would be daunted by the Argos defensive front with Oakman and Ray and, and, and some of those guys. But man, this BC Lions offensive line, it's not like it got completely rebuilt. It sure looks a lot better, more stable, more sound than those offensive line troubles we've seen when Mike Riley was behind them.
1: It's funny that you brought up that name, Mike Riley, because I was just sitting here thinking, can you even imagine that a player of Mike Riley's caliber retires and they get better? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. And, and. You saw a tiny bit of Nathan Rourke last year, but then he comes out this year and he's just firing darts all over the field. And those throws look really great. I mean, I was watching the game. I had a couple of friends around watching the game, and I was thinking, look at this guy. Like, just look at what he's doing. This is something historical in the making. That's what it seems like. You don't want to overestimate anything because lots can happen. Um, we're not going to start you know, comparing him to Doug Flutie already or anything like that. Sure. but. It's pretty darn impressive what he's done through two games. Let's see what happens when he goes up against Ottawa. I think Ottawa's got a pretty strong team. They look very and on good. on the road. Good D. Going to be a totally different story there, you would think. And yeah. then he's going to have to face Winnipeg, and that's going to be a challenge. But I'm really looking forward to going to Vancouver next week and getting a close look at this guy and talking to him and, and, and getting to know uh, what he's all about a little better and then seeing how the Bombers fare against the Lions. Because last year with Mike Riley at the helm, the Bombers beat them handily two weeks in a row. It was not even close. That is not going to be the case this time. It sure doesn't appear.
0: No, absolutely. And, you know, this this definitely isn't uh, the last we've heard or will speak of Nathan Rourke. He's clearly got something cook and um, we'll see how he is against, as you said, a tougher competition and his first road game uh since taking over the starting position with the BC lions. And then, yeah, of course facing the Winnipeg blue bombers vaunted defense. I don't know if he's going to be throwing for four touchdowns uh and 90% like he has kind of uh, to start the season. So that wraps up CFL week four. And, you know, we, we popped in on the standings, Uh the East division still pretty much flat Uh, and, you know, did you buy into any of the hype, Ted, uh, in the offseason that, well, they got better quarterbacks and free agency helped them and they're a they're much better division. Did you buy into that or were you cautiously um, optimistic, more cautious than optimistic like I was?
1: Well, I guess I bought into it a little bit because you split the like, really two really good quarterbacks who were in Hamilton and you, get, and you, you put one in Ottawa. And it makes a big difference because ottawa was pretty terrible last year but jeremiah masoli by himself makes that a much better team and they brought in a lot of other players that have helped them to uh to progress and be a a much more competitive football team and i think a team that has a chance to contend for top spot um you got harris and adams in montreal who are both very capable and of course dane evans uh who (laughs) i You know, I've never been totally sold on Dane Evans. He does throw for a lot of yards, but I haven't seen him come up with the big games at the right times. Yeah. He sure does not like playing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's uh, that's 100%. That has been just a nightmare for him. And then McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who obviously has a really good arm, and he can really chuck it all over the place. But if they don't have a very good scheme set up, and uh, then that's not going to work that well. But I guess I did think that it was going to be stronger. I thought it would be... I thought there would be probably a pretty close race in both uh, on both sides and there probably wouldn't be a crossover that's the way I was thinking coming into the season now I'm not so sure I think just again it's super early and let's talk again in 3 weeks and see where things are at but could there be you know that possibility of a crossover creeping into my head again here because you know, where are these teams going to come up with these wins? You know, the, the West, uh, the East has one win, I think against the West right now, uh, they're going to beat up uh, on, yeah. going to be, somebody's going to get wins because they're going to beat up on each other, but yeah. they, somebody's got to figure out some way to get some, some wins when they're playing the Western team.
0: Right. And yeah, you're right. It was Montreal beating Saskatchewan for that first East over West, uh, final, uh, in the CFL so far this year. Um, so Dane Evans is an interesting one to me too, Ted. You know, like the Hamilton Tiger Cats chose him over Jeremiah Masoli, uh, Masoli rather. Um, you know, am I surprised the Ticats Cats are 0 3? Yeah, I am. Am I more surprised that the Toronto Argonauts have looked as paltry as they have? Yes, I, I'm. I'm so surprised that you know they stumbled their way into a win. Over the Montreal Alouettes, they didn't deserve to win that game. You could even argue Montreal didn't deserve to win that game. But Trevor Harris came in for Vernon Adams in week two uh, and moved the ball and got them down the field and got them in position to win. Uh, and then a missed field goal gave the Toronto Argonauts a win. Um, gave the, them the win instead. The Ottawa Redblacks. I'm, I'm not. What's that?
1: They're in first place based on that. They they, they yeah. barely won that game. Like, they didn't deserve. I know.
0: It's it's unbelievable. Um, now, the Red Blacks may be a bit more at the mercy of their schedule, having to go back-to-back against the defending champs uh, in weeks one and two, having a bye in week three. Now they get Nathan Rourke coming to town in a game, I'm sure a lot of people that like to maybe put a sprinkle on the game here and there, I'm sure that that one's got them a little bit mystified. Uh, if you're curious, uh, you can check down uh, in the ticker below. We've got your uh, lines uh, and over-under numbers uh, for the games uh, this coming week, uh, as of right now, on sportsinteraction.com. Ted, uh, speaking of Dane Evans, I, I want to bring up uh, a moment in the game that I think got pretty um, uh, viral. And it was because a lot of people couldn't find the clip online. So, here at Bonfire Sports, we got you covered out there. You want to see the hit Adam Big Hill laid on Dunbar Jr. Let's take the first look at it because, wow, I think it's going to be uh, on highlight reels for a long time. 25 of 41, 237 yards and an interception. Another interception. This one out of the hands of Dunbar and into the hands of Nick Taylor. The second interception of the season. And Dunbar, slow to get up after being popped in the back. Yeah, he got hit hard. He did get hit hard. Uh, that was uh, obviously maybe garbage time uh, after the Willie Jefferson touchdown. Ted and and the score at that point was uh, the final. But uh, a real uh, emphasis put on just how physical this Blue Bombers defense is and how dangerous they can be when a quarterback delivers a pass on target, but they still come away with a takeaway.
1: Yeah, I mean, and Adam Big Hill showing just how danger it is, dangerous it is to go over the middle when he drops back a bit instead of yeah. you know, just coming forward in his, uh, you know, to come up and step up into the run or whatever. He kind of steps back, and it's almost like he's playing safety back there, and he's just waiting. Yeah. And it comes to Dunbar, and he can just see the eyes of Big Hill and gets him square in the back, and it was ugly. That looked so bad. And all kudos to Stephen Dunbar for actually getting up and, and – uh, and and getting through that because that was really something else i heard them talking on tsn about it it's like you cannot blame the receiver for uh the interception there sometimes the defense wins and that's exactly what happened adam big hill putting that hit on him i think adam big hill was only credited with two tackles in that game and they were both monstrous hits and i think big hill's been playing really well i like the way the entire linebacking core is played and i think i said this to you the other day if i was picking Mm -hmm. The most outstanding defensive player for the Bombers so far. It might just be Kyrie Wilson, the uh, right. weak side linebacker who's just been all over the field and he's making great plays. And I also like the way Donald Rutledge Jr. is playing at the SAM position. A little different, a departure from what the Bombers have had at that position in the past. Alden Darby last year, not that big of a player. Um, right. and, you know, more of a DB than a linebacker for sure. Mercy maston was a little bigger and could qualify as both donald Rutledge is bigger than both of those guys and he oh yeah and
0: right. long long like long arms
1: backer who can cover that's pretty impressive like a, a derek Moncrief type guy
0: right exactly well you know what that was the view a lot of people got of the adam big hill hit i think we can do better i think it's worth another look as deep as the safety at times in Richie Hall's defense. Watch this. Oof. Just separates the receiver from the football. Absolutely textbook and just, you know, the the players on other teams are watching that and they know that it's there. You know, like Brandon Alexander might not be with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, healthy enough to play right now, Ted. And we're seeing him during practice, you know, running around and and you know exerting himself hard. So I think it's sooner rather than later for uh, Brandon Alexander to come back. But it's Adam Big Hill, it's it's Malcolm Thompson, it's uh, Dietrich Nichols. These guys are all laying big hits and and imposing themselves on a defense. I wouldn't want to be facing those guys. Like somebody said in the live chat, I wouldn't. Uh, it was Arlen. There it is, Arlen Axelrod. Uh, very very good point. Uh, wouldn't want to meet these guys in a dark alley. It would be uh, it would be bad news bears.
1: It's absolutely true, and I'd like to throw one more name into there. I mean, obviously, we we all know what Willie Jefferson. Willie Jefferson was great last week, by the way, and 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 Jackson Defco can do. But I was really impressed with the play of Demario Houston coming in at quarterback, and he was filling in for Winston Rose, who did not have very good games in the first two weeks. It was like. Hey, he leaves the CFL and tackles. That's no good for a cornerback. And so uh, yeah. the fact that he was out, there was a, obviously there's an injury there, but, you know, maybe also a timeout for Winston Rose because he just didn't have a great start. Demario Houston comes in and he played really well. I thought his coverage was excellent and he doesn't get enough credit for the play he made on the Willie Jefferson interception. Willie Jefferson waltzes into the end zone. But yes. it was Hilton who separated the ball from the receiver on that play, and and he did it. And this is a guy who hasn't played a ton, and you're putting him in at uh, the, one of the most important positions on the field, at quarterback, cornerback, and he did a really great job. So I just wanted to shout out to him because I thought he played really, really well. And I have to wonder, you know, what you know, they certainly don't need to rush Winston Rose back. It Thank doesn't you. mean. And then who knows, right? Like I mean. Stranger things have happened. Winston Rose was yep. is an amazing player. He was an all-star two years ago. He's in the NFL. He made the greatest play of the season to help the Bombers win the Grey Cup last year. Right. But you got to be on point at all times. And he was not very good in those games against Ottawa. Yeah, he,
0: yeah. he took some gambles and took some risks and he got burnt for it. Um, I don't know if, if... I'm wondering that myself, though. Like, could Winston Rose get Wally pipped? If Demario Houston continues to play it at, at that high level, uh, Michael it's Shea, game, but pardon me? It's
1: only one game, right?
0: It is one game, but, but this is what, what stood out to me, Ted is, you know, while Michael Shea shot it down after the game, when asked, uh, it was pretty clear to me that Demario Houston was being thrown at early and often. And it was often Dunbar. It was often all um, oh, the names escaping me now. But, but they were going after him, right, and and throwing to that side of the field. I don't think Dietrich Nichols got targeted once. So if you're going to throw to that side of the field, it's going to be at Demario Houston or at Winston Rose or whomever uh, is there. I think Dietrich Nichols is that good and that intimidating right now uh, as a defender. Um, but, you know, this is how pro football is. This is how pro sports is, but especially in football, Ted, is that you have great players. They play to a certain level. Maybe they get hurt. Maybe they don't play up to the level that, uh, you know, fans are accustomed to. Somebody steps in and they emerge, right? We saw it with Jake Mayer. We're seeing it with Nathan Rourke. Uh, We've seen it with a variety of players, right? Um, And and different situations. It it could be the changing of the guard, but I I will be with you. It's one game. Uh, We'll see. If Winston Rose is healthy, though, do you think he starts?
1: That's 50 50 for me, man. You're going to have to ask me again on uh, Thursday when we get back to practice. I know that's a bit of a cop out, but
0: yeah. yeah I mean, I'm I with to, you.
1: I, in my mind, I think of Mike O'Shea being the kind of guy that doesn't do that. You know, I don't, especially yeah. if it's an injury being the reason. Now, if the if it was a case where he was going, well, he's a bit banged up, let's sit him out because he didn't play very well the first two games and then see if what happens that could be a slightly different story. But if it's a straight up injury situation, I don't see Mike Shea making that move, especially with a veteran player who he respects and, and really likes. But um, again, like this is kind of like when Drew Brown came in to finish off that game against Ottawa and got a win for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because Zach Caleros was hurt. That was a pretty good situation if you're the Blue Bombers or their fans to see that you've got a, a backup quarterback that can handle that kind of situation. And I think yeah. it's really good for the Blue Bombers and their fans to see that they have a player like Demario Houston who can handle that kind of situation as well.
0: Yeah, Drew Brown was clutch, Demario Houston when he needed to be. He was clutch, and it showed in uh, you know that that Willie Jefferson interception, as you mentioned, Ted. Uh, some of those guys and some of those plays away from maybe where the 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 you know uh, celebration is uh need to be highlighted and demario houston made a heck of a play um amongst a few uh back on friday night uh this question i have on the screen right now what is the key to the winnipeg blue bombers defense is it the defensive line is it the oh, linebackers i understand the dbs have taken a lot of heat this year and and you know uh winston rose maybe uh, most primary among it for uh letting some big plays go to the ottawa red blacks um Often I've heard Ted on, the, on the bonfire hotline or in the live chat, this team is missing Brandon Alexander. This team is missing, uh, Deandre Alford. Um, this team is missing Mercy Maston or, uh, an Alden Darby, that level of, um, veteran player at the dime. Do you see it that way? Or, um, you know, is it maybe just a, too much of a focus on an area where, um, you know, early in the season, uh, just judgment falls where plays have happened.
1: Look, if I were picking, answering this question, and I was putting them in order, I'm saying, you know, the D-line and the linebackers are pretty close. I'm going to say it's like the front six. It's really the front seven, but the, the cover linebacker is more of a DB a lot of the times. So the Bombers are playing utilizing Rutledge a little differently than they did Alden Darby. But, um, you know, really, you're talking about a pretty elite group when you've got Jackson Coat and Willie Jefferson and Adam Hill and Kyrie Wilson among those front six players. Like, uh, you know, and, and I'm not to take anything away from Jake Thomas, Casey Sales, they're doing a good job in the middle and Cam Lawson as well. And Ricky Walker has been in there and the Bombers, what, what I think is the key with the Bombers is that they just build around those great players and yeah. they, they make sure that, you know, you're not seeing the same defense very often. There's all kinds of different players coming in. There's a great rotation of what they do there. Jefferson's not in the same place. Big, Big Hill's all over the place. He lines up. You know, he can yeah. be rushing the passer or dropping back and being the safety just as easily. And it just makes such a difference for how you plan against that team. So I absolutely say that that is the key. I think the the, the defensive line from last year and so far through to this year is really what drives that whole defense. But you've also got Big Hill in the middle, and he obviously was the defense, most outstanding defensive player last year for a reason. And we'll see. For me, the jury's out on the defensive backs at this point. I thought Houston played really well. I think Nichols has been absolutely outstanding. Nick Taylor's looked pretty good. I don't have too much of an issue with Taekwondo Glass. So I think that's probably going to be a pretty decent group, but you do want to see. Uh, and and I don't want to take anything away. I don't, you know, I thought Malcolm Thompson in game one, I didn't like the way he was looking out there. He didn't seem to be making the proper attack to the ball, but he's looked better and he's certainly a good hitter. But I think when you do put Brandon Alexander back in there, what it really does is it brings that communication back. And the bombers are built on that. That defense is built on that. Those DBs flourish when they have that communication from him. You've got Big Hill in the middle doing the communication for the front seven, and it just seems to just, just flow together perfectly. So we'll, you know, I'll reserve judgment of what the best group on D is until we see when that DB group is at its best.
0: I think that's all really well said by you. And and thanks to everybody who's uh, in the live chat. Uh, Karamjeet, that's a really nice compliment. Appreciate that. Um, You know, same goes back to Bruce in Ottawa. Um, You know, Rob and Scott and waiters, everybody who's uh, chiming in, Paul Friesen, the second, I like to refer to him as not uh, Paul Friesen proper here in Winnipeg when it comes to sports, at least. Uh, Arlen and uh, Tyler and and Sandy and everybody who's uh, checking in. Appreciate you watching live on YouTube, Facebook. Uh, and Twitter, uh, Ted, before, uh, we, uh, wrap, I want to call attention to, uh, somebody who, um, they do just absolutely great work and it's our friends at antonition roofing uh they've been doing it forever they did my roof uh, a couple years ago they installed a sun tunnel which is like a really cool thing if you got like a dark room or a dark bathroom or a walk-in closet you want some natural light in there but there's no windows you can put a tube through your roof and have natural light come in from a lens on your roof Uh, it's a really cool thing that they do but these guys are awesome i i went out and got a ton of uh quotes probably more than i should have and it was an easy decision to go with antonician roofing so uh more information in the video description below uh you can give them a call 801-4666 danny and his team uh, are awesome. They do roofing, soffits, repairs new builds. Uh, if you got snow, uh, they'll they'll help you with that stuff uh, too. So uh, great people there and uh, just want to thank them uh, for their support of bonfire sports. Um, Ted, w- when it comes to Winnipeg, like facing Andrew Harris and the Toronto Argonauts, everybody's talking about Harris being fired up for this game and, and no doubt he will be. I wonder if the Blue Bombers want to show Andrew Harris or show everybody that without Andrew Harris, we are still an excellent football team. Maybe they want to get the run going. Maybe they want to uh, stop Andrew Harris and not allow Toronto to have a run game. That internal battle of, I don't know, just like personal pride or team pride, I think is on the line as much as anything this week.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't see that with a Mike O'Shea team. I think he wants to win every single game, and he wants to beat the crap out of the other team every single time. The fact that it's Andrew Harris on the other side, or that they want to show him anything, I really doubt it. I think he's going to game plan to go in there and try to win that football game as best as possible. And I think he's going to remember. You know, he likes to say, well, we don't, whatever happened last year is whatever happened last year. We don't think about it. But I'm sure he's going to look back a bit on those two games that they played against Toronto last season. And Toronto played the Bombers well. And they, they played really well. And, in fact, they really were the only team to beat the Bombers in a meaningful game last year. Yeah, the Bombers lost in Calgary. They lost in Montreal. Not really meaningful games. So, this one, uh, those ones against Toronto were. Toronto took it to them. They absolutely beat them down. That was with Nick Arbuckle, at quarterback of all people. Right. And uh He's moved around a bit since, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, this time you're going to pro- get McLeod Bethel-Thompson who's, who's proven to be a pretty good thrower, and he's probably going to go and attack that secondary, and he's going to take advantage of the fact that things are a little bit more opened up with those hash marks and some of the other rules, and he's going to try to get Andrew Harris going, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to do everything they can, can to stop that, knowing that if they can make them one-dimensional, it'll be a lot easier. I think I could answer that question. I could ask Mike O'Shea that question and know his answer before he even says it. And I think you could probably go to Willie Jefferson and say, what's going to be the key? And it's going to be, well, we got to get after McLeod Bethel-Thompson and we got to stop the run. Well, there you go. There's your keys to the game, right? And uh, whether you've got pride on the line or not, those are still going to be the keys to the game.
0: Yeah, no Ted, that's why I appreciate you because you can check me and put me in my place without uh, being too hard on me like maybe Jeff Hamilton does when we have our conversations about uh football here in Canada. Ooh. Uh what's that? Who? I don't I don't know. I don't know. I am I'm, I'm I'm lost there. But uh quickly I'm going to pull up and uh you know as as we kind of put a wrap on uh, uh bonfire midweek here and thanks to everybody for watching. Here is our that's tough to see, but if you're in our fantasy football uh, league Parker East continues to dominate with 331 points. Tedley, too, with a little bit of a hat tip to our uh, special guest co host tonight. Uh, Tedley, um, uh, in second place. Uh, and then if we head over to our bonfire pick 'em, uh, CJ was in the live chat uh, earlier saying, Check out the pick 'em because he was in first place, uh, 3,100 points, uh, you know, putting on a pretty good, uh, uh, margin of victory, uh, or margin of lead right now, uh, between him and the rest of the opponents. How about Tedley? He's, uh, in the top three of both of our fantasy leagues. If you want to get involved, uh, links in the description, uh, to this video. So, uh, just below, but if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, give us a thumbs up, give us a like, if you're watching on Facebook, give us a follow. All of that helps us continue to give you, uh, this, free content and uh, coverage of your favorite team, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Canadian Football League. Teddy, this was fun, man. I would love to do this again. Cheers, my friend. Ah, all right. I'll let you get back to those cold ones. Uh, coldies, as the, uh, my uh, our good friend Chris Walby uh, likes to call them. For those asking, Zach is good. He will be back next week. Ted, really appreciate you doing this, buddy. I will see you at practice on Thursday when the Bombers get back to it.
1: My pleasure to be here, DB. Lots of fun. Always love to talk football and especially about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, this has been a cool year in that sense because we're around them more than we have been in the past couple of years. Obviously, yes. not at all in 2020. And last year, it was a lot of Zoom calls, not a ton of personal interaction. I got to admit, I think the, you can almost tell it from the players that they appreciate the personal interaction as well uh, as yeah. opposed to what we were doing in the past. So it's a lot of fun to be around it. Um, it's going to be one heck of a busy next six weeks for the Blue Bombers, and it'll be really interesting to see where they are come uh, August long weekend.
0: No, agreed there. So before we sign off, we got to have one more look. We'll drop as deep as the safety at times in Richie Hall's defense. Watch this. Oof.
1: Just separates the receiver from the football.
0: Oh absolutely just bent him what an unbelievable hit i know people wanted to see it again so i had to give him to him ted i hope you understand
1: memorable man really memorable
0: absolutely okay thanks everybody appreciate you uh back next week at 7 30 pre-game will go sunday uh game day winnipeg here on bonfire sports post game as always appreciate you everybody thanks teddy talk to you soon hey, guys.